Hi, welcome to the Vine Church podcast. This week we've got a great speaker. Hope you enjoy it. Last time I was speaking was the last Sunday of the decade, December 29th, I think it was, and I made a statement. God is on the move. Which is a great hope and a great belief. And I hope that you believe that God is on the move. But today, I'm following up on that theme with a question. Is God, Mel, Tim, is God moving in our lives, in your life, in my life? I've been thinking about it ever since God is on the move, and I've been wondering throughout the start of January and February, what would it look like in my life if God was to be really moving in my life? What effect would it have in your life? If God was moving in your life, what would you want God to do? The question is a maybe a hard one. You may be thinking, well, I really want God to move in my life, and he's doing absolutely nothing that I can see. Do you know, King David... One of the heroes of the Old Testament, the king of Israel, wrote many of the Psalms, says this in Psalm 13, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Maybe you are in that place, feeling like, I want God to move in this area, in this situation, and it just doesn't seem to be happening. You may be thinking, not sure if I want God to move in my life, thank you very much. <laughs> what would that mean for me? What would he do? I can understand that. For the first 20 years of my life, I just had a question. Is there a God? And I wondered about that. I talked about it. I asked about it. I just wasn't sure. But there came a time when I wanted to make a decision one way or the other. But I was really nervous about it because I thought, what is God going to ask me to do? If he is up there, what does it mean? I'm going to become a monk and become whatever. I don't know. And maybe that's a situation Well, you're just not sure if God moving your life is what you want. So, some of the things to think about. But I'm going to start right at the beginning. In Genesis 1, it's written up there. The very first verses of the Bible. It's a good place to start at the beginning, isn't it? When we address this. I'm going to read it to you because it, it is phenomenal to think about this. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. God started it all. God was on the move from the very beginning. 
God hovered over the waters by His Spirit. God is the author of creation. God is the movement behind the whole of history. He started something, and He's going to finish something. And as Christians, we believe that God is the Alpha and the Omega. In Revelation, it talks about God being not just the beginning, but the finisher as well. History, the move of God is starting somewhere and is finishing somewhere with the return of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Heaven and earth coming together. That is our hope. And if Henry's made it this long, Henry, it's true. Jesus Christ is returning from heaven to earth, coming together in the culmination of all things, drawing everything together. History is not a random series of events going nowhere, but is in the hand of God, beginning and end. And that is what a Christian believes. Isn't it? Isn't it? Is it? Is it? Maybe you don't. Maybe you're not sure. Maybe the world is just so out of kilter and out of what is going on. And I understand that. And I want to address that. It's a good question. And if you do have questions about that, that's great. I love questions and curiosity. What is it really all about? And that's what I'm wanting to talk about. So there's a great move of God from beginning to end. But read these verses again, thinking about you and what Aaron shared last week about God being involved, the Father's love from the moment of conception. And in the beginning of you, God created you. God created you. He created the heavens and the earth, but every single human born since the beginning of time, we believe, I believe, the Bible tells us is created by God. You, just as the heavens and earth were created, you were created by God. The earth, you, me, we were formless, empty, darkness was over us in the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God as we've read last week in the Psalms, was hovering over us to create in us our very beings. So we all represent, reflect the move of God, not just from beginning to end in all of creation, but in our lives. There's a beginning and end to our lives. God is moving in your life. God can move in your life. You can't deny it. He created you, and you have a, a middle, and we have an end. God is moving in our lives. And that's exciting or terrifying, depending on what you think about God. So, next slide please, Rana. That's a big subject, gosh, for a Sunday morning, isn't it? My goodness. <laughs> this is sort of a theme I'm going to maybe pick up on in my next talks. And I've got a collection of thoughts. I've got a collection of holiday snaps, believe it or not, to support them. And, and this morning, I'm just going to take us a few places. We're going to look at a guy called Haggai, who is a prophet. And he arrived in the scene in the darkest days of Israel, when it looked like God was not anywhere to be seen. So we're going to look at that to understand if we're in that place of where is God? 
What is, what is that? How can we deal with that? We're going to look at the hope that this thing, the river, coming from a temple that we read about, that describing what this move of God is. It's like a river. We're going to read about that. We're going to see about that. We're going to talk about love. We've already been talking about love. Great start, Michael. L-O-V-E. We're going to talk about faith. We're going to focus on faith a little bit this time and maybe a little bit more next time I come back and speak. Faith. So that's where we're going today. These um, pile of rocks that I came across on the beach just reminded me that it was a beautiful, random sculpture that was obviously just somebody had picked up a rock and put it on a bigger rock. Then they took another rock and put that rock on the other rock. And when I was thinking about it this morning, or preparing for the sermon, it is, this is a little bit like what I think God wants to do in our lives. So our, our, our life can be a bit of a beach with just rocks scattered all over the place. Our, our, our love, our faith, our thinking, our understanding, our experiences, and, and it's just, just a bit, it's quite easy to feel everything's disconnected and disjointed. We do our work, we do our family, everything's all over the place. And that, this image and what I'm believing this theme might do is just help us bring some rocks into one place and start to build them with a foundation on faith, start to build love, start to build what does that mean for me, what does that mean for my life, and we start to see something visible, and, and I believe that's what God wants to do in our lives, that he wants our lives to reflect something, to show something, that as Christians we want to be, oh, what's going on there? in that person's life, that, that there's something coherent, something visible, something tangible, something that stands up and stands out. And, and I believe the move of God is just moving us to build a life that reflects the good things of God. So just a thought, just an image. Righty-ho. Let's go for the haggis guy. Next slide. Thank you, Rana. Haggai. Haggai in the temple. So, this is a great story. Haggai is a book of the Old Testament, and therefore it's an ancient writing. When I mean ancient, I mean even older than Jimmy Dowd's. I mean ancient. Ancient. Two, 520 BC or so, Haggai cropped up in the nation of Israel as a prophet of God. And it was dark days for Israel. Can you imagine two and a half thousand years ago? I mean, so 520 BC is, go back to the start of time as we know it, AD nothing, AD one, AD two. We're in, what are we? 2020 Blair, 2020. It is Blair, we're in 2020. <laughs> 2000 years ago. Gosh, how much changes in five years. Imagine two and a half thousand years ago, and here he is speaking about the same experiences that we have. Where is God and what is going on? And this is how he describes it to the people of Israel there who have just been defeated, thrown out of their city of Jerusalem. Anybody heard of Jerusalem? It's still in the news today, and it's all about this problem, the temple. 
The temple was where the presence of God was experienced by Israel. God meeting man. Heaven and earth were united in the temple of the Jewish people. And this is the truth. This is what happened. We can read about it in these ancient writings. Imagine having something so old that is still with us. This is a godly thing. This is, this is an amazing thing that we, that we have to be under, uh, understanding what God was doing in these days. But the human condition is the same. And Haggai came and said this, Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Why? And isn't that something we can feel, don't we, sometimes? It's just like, where is it all going? I'm doing my best. I'm working hard. And it just doesn't meet what I was hoping for. Life and the expectations that we have just sometimes don't line up. And we think, well, why not? What's going on? Where is God in my life? Where is God? Where is the goodness of God? And, and we can experience that at times and in seasons like David did. Where is God? Where is God? What we invest in just seems to disappear. And there are many, many, many reasons, which is a great conversation to have one day. Why is it these things happen? I'm only giving you one perspective, but this was what the Israelites were experiencing. They had been defeated by the Babylonian army. Jerusalem had been ransacked. The temple uh, devastated, but they'd started to come back to Jerusalem, to the temple, to reestablish their relationship with God, the holiest place in all the earth, the, the one place they could find God, back in the temple. But they'd been put off in rebuilding the temple. Some surrounding tribes had challenged them and said, don't you do that or we're going to kill you. And that can be an experience we have too when we think, well, and I certainly did. I thought, I want to be a Christian, but mm, don't know if I fancy it. I want to do the right things for God, but what are people going to think? What, what is it going to mean for my life? Opposition quickly comes when we start to make a move towards God, whether it's in our minds or whether it's in we, what we think people will think. I was terrified of what people would think of me becoming a Christian because I thought it was so weird and uncool. But there was something driving me to find out if God really existed. But opposition came, and he says, this is why things aren't working out for you. Because of my house, his temple, my temple, which remains a ruin while each of you is busy with your own house. Their priorities had been distracted by the opposition they faced. It was too hard to do it. It's too dangerous to do it. I'm just going to go and build my house. And the priorities that we have as people are something to think about. Consider carefully all our ways. What is our priorities in this day and age? And all the time, in this day and age, the, our enemy, the enemy of God, Satan, is working in our minds to make sure that our priority is not God and his move. All the time, everything, all the time will distract you from making God a priority in your life. 
And sometimes that's why things aren't working out, but not exclusively, because God works in mysterious ways. And when things don't work out the way we expect, he could be building something inside us. So we need to see what is it? What are the, what glasses do I need to put on to recognize when God is moving and when he is not? Is it my problem or is it his? And that's where we're beginning to go next. So a little bit of a cheerier slide coming up. Next one, Rana, thank you. Another image, a prophet actually before Haggai, about 580 BC, a long, 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 long time ago. This one's even older than Rab. Ezekiel gave us a picture of the temple of God that Haggai was encouraging the people to rebuild, an image of the temple from heaven. And out of that temple, in Ezekiel 47, you can read all about it. It's a pic picture, but it's an amazing, hopeful, encouraging picture that out of the river, out of the temple of God, where heaven is, where God is, the presence of God, it says this, the man who was an angel brought me back to the entrance of the temple and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water is coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east. And the water was trickling from the south side. The move of God is like a river. The move of God in history you can see is like a river and it's growing. The move of God in your life from beginning to end is like a river. There's a flow coming. And it may feel like it's just a trickle. But the prophecy and the picture goes on. And he goes on to see as the river, and it's an amazing vision, it gets deeper and deeper. And it's just a trickle. But you go down a bit further and it's up to your knees. You go down a bit further, it's up to your waist. And then you can't go through it because it's so deep you have to swim. And the river of God is like that. It's moving all the time and it's getting deeper and it's getting deeper and it's getting deeper. If you see it like Ezekiel could see it. And the river, the man, the angel goes on to explain and he says this, I see a great number of trees on each side of the river. Remember the, the last picture was just trees that looked naked. And, but these trees, the water flows towards the eastern region down the Arab, it goes on to say, towards the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water becomes fresh, swarms a living creature and life wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because the water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Everything will live. Where God is moving, life comes. Life comes. Creation comes. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to Englim. There will be places for spreading. The, the fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both sides of the river. The leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will be 
serve for food and the leaves for healing. This is the nature of the move of God. This is a picture of the move of God in our lives and throughout history. It's life, it's healing, it's health, it's blessing, it's favor, it's freshness, it's everything that we could possibly want. This is the move of God, and God is on the move throughout creation and in our lives. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it, and this is the hope that we have as Christians. And you know, these ancient prophecies speak to our Messiah. They were images, prophecies of what would be, what might come. And then Jesus came. Jesus comes. Jesus, the focus, foundation, of course, of our Christian faith. And a, a well with a woman, the Son of God, fully human, but fully God, divine. Jesus, who is God on earth, explains this. He says, everyone who drinks this water from the well that we can drink from a tap, We'll be thirsty again. That's true, isn't it? If you agree with nothing else I've said this morning, you can agree with this. We drink, but we'll get thirsty again. So is the nature of creation. But there's something spiritual. There's spiritual water. Whoever drinks the water that Jesus gives them will never thirst, he said. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them like a spring of water welling up to eternal life. This is where heaven comes to earth today. We are the temple of God. We are the flowing river. The promise that Jesus said is the temple is no longer a place on a hill in Jerusalem. It's the creation of my people who come and receive me by faith. And I will come and dwell in their hearts. This is the hope of the people of Jesus, the followers of Jesus, that he come in the temple where heaven meets earth is inside of us. God is on the move. God is on the move, and he wants every single heart, every single person across the face of the earth to experience the presence of God and the love of God in their lives. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. What a great promise. So, a couple of big images there. Exciting images, hopeful images. I want to try and make a little bit practical sense of this today, if I can. Next slide, please, Rana. When Michael talked about the love of God this morning, when Aaron talked about it last week, the Father loves us. Probably the hardest thing to believe and receive is that God loves us, that we're loved. And one of the reasons for that is without faith. 
it's very, very difficult to receive God's love. Faith and love come together. One of the big stones we need to pick up out of our lives if we want that love, and who doesn't want that love? We've got to put our love on top of faith. We've got to put our love, our hope for love, our anticipation on love on top of faith. We've got to start to build something. You see, it says, looking back at Jesus, we heard what he promised, but becoming rivers, fountains. Jesus died on the cross, executed for being a criminal by the Romans. Three days later, he rose from the dead, declared himself by that act to be the Son of God once and for all, and was witnessed by hundreds of people. He showed him the holes in his hands where he had been crucified, and they witnessed him eating food after death. This was not some medical thing. This was death defeated. This is the hope of Christians. This is the foundation of our faith, that Jesus died and rose again on the third day, and that death is defeated. That's the move of God from creation to completion is happening right now based on this faith step that Jesus died, rose again, defeated death, and he ascended to the right hand of God. He is in heaven and he made a bridge, he made a way that by faith in Jesus Christ, we can be saved, we can be reconnected with God. And the writings of the New Testament explain what it means. And in Colossians 1, it says, this is a letter, a letter. So if you get a letter, it's a letter to a church, but imagine it's a letter to you. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. Faith and love. Faith and love coming together. When I think about what would this church look like if God moved upon us and in us and through us, what would it look like? Well, I'm believing and feeling and suggesting to you, it's going to look like faith and it's going to look like love. If God is moving in your life, you know faith is going to grow. Love is going to grow. If you want to know the hallmark of what the move of God is like, in this age, between Jesus having ascended into heaven and returning in days to come, it's faith and love. God is moving in faith and love. Two pillars, two strands. The only thing that counts, Paul says, the writer Paul who wrote much of the New Testament, this is in Galatians 5, 6, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Make your days count. I want this church to count. What would it look like in a year's time if God's been moving this congregation? Faith 
is stronger. Faith is clearer. Faith brings revelation of the love of God more clearly, more consistently. When I had doubt about God for 20 years of his existence, I did not receive the love of God in my life. When I, start, when I made a decision to believe by faith that God was real, the love of God started to grow in my heart. And 35 years later, that has grown and grown. The conviction that I have and share with many of you here is that God is incredibly good, incredibly good, and incredibly kind. But I've just begun to understand that. My faith, I want my faith to grow. I'm working on my faith. I'm working on my love. More importantly, I'm working on my love. Faith feels a bit easier for me. I can think about stuff, believe stuff. But love, that means doing something. And we're going to talk about faith a little bit. Two things, maybe three. Because hope's important too. Hope is important too. And the hope, it says actually, read more in Colossians 1. Faith and love spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven about which you have already heard. In the same way, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the world. God is on the move. Jesus is on the move. The Holy Spirit is moving upon us and moving in us and moving through you. Faith and love that spring from the hope. The hope is not just a characteristic, a quality, a hopeful person. It's not optimism. It is the hope that Jesus Christ is returning. It's the hope that that thing will happen. It's like hoping for Christmas. We know it's coming. And that defines where my life is going, that Jesus is coming back, and that affects us. It is a hope, a tangible thing. Two things, maybe three, that we're building, that we're putting together, our little life statue picture. We're bringing faith. We're bringing love. We're bringing hope. That's what God is doing. That's the move of God, I believe, the hallmark, the trademark. So focus on faith. Next slide, please, Rana. Focus on faith. Focus on faith and lots to talk about. I want to talk about faith a lot more, but I want to challenge you to think about faith. It describes it here in 11 1. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. I never got proof that God was alive before I put my faith in him. The witness I had, the evidence I had was a friend who was a Christian and believed God and said, you need to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I had the evidence of an inner turmoil that said, I don't feel right in myself yet. I do not feel right with God. I was separated from God, and I was. But I decided, I made a decision to assume that God was real. And he wasn't just any God, he was the God of the Bible. And I chose to believe that Jesus was the Son of God, who rose from the dead. And I chose to believe that I would have to go to church. And I really didn't want to go to church on a Sunday morning. But I thought that's one of the things we're going to do. And it says here, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that. So faith is not just about an understanding of mine. It is a, an understanding of how the world is, of what a, believing that God has started something, is finishing something. Faith is something you think. But it's no good if you think, yep, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. 
I believe in the Holy Spirit, and do nothing about it. It makes it meaningless, worthless, empty. We have to act. So the quality of faith, again, like hope, isn't just a characteristic. Faith exists as a, 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 a characteristic of humans. We have faithful people who do not believe in God. Faithful Rangers fans, Jimmy, can you believe it? Faithful Rangers fans. They go every week. They are faithful. Incredible. See what you've influenced me to do, you, you, you and your Rangers fans. So faith in itself is a good thing, but you can have faith in the wrong things. And the faith that the Christian believes is that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, lived a perfect, pure life, was crucified and raised again. That is the basis of the faith that saves us. Saving faith is something. Saving faith is something. Faith is one thing. Saving faith is another thing. And then faith for miracles, for healings, is another thing as well. And we all get them mixed up sometimes. And we're going to talk about that more. But it's just a thought. It's not just about what you believe, it's what you do. Faith is a, it's not just about having faith, but it's about believing something specific. And the apostles, the disciples of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all those guys, increase our faith. Help me, Jesus. I need faith. Here's an amazing answer. Here, here is a reason for hope today. If you have faith, Jesus said, as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Maybe not something you need done right now. So it's an image. It's a, it, 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 Jesus is being incredibly creative and poetic. He's painting a picture. Faith as small as a mustard seed is so powerful. It's not something that you need to... Faith as small as a mustard seed in this Jesus Christ is enough to change the world, to change your world. I had faith smaller than a mustard seed, but it was enough. It started something. It started the move of God in my life. I said yes to God moving in my life. And that's my ask of you today. Will you trust God to move in your life? Maybe again. Maybe for the first time. So, I'm nearly done. We're going to talk about faith more. There's a big rock there in my picture that says 1620. Just as an example of people with faith who did something. The Pilgrim Fathers, remember them for primary school projects? They sailed from Plymouth in England and they arrived in America. Found it. The their promised land, 1620, 400 years ago. There's going to be celebrations, Monsieur. We saw that rock. They came because of their faith. They saw something and wanted more. And they think they couldn't have it in Britain. It's just, just a great thought. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. God is not asking you to move to the other side of the world. America's already been found. But God does want you to move towards heaven. He wants you to move towards the Messiah. He wants you to move towards his mission. Whatever it is in your life, 
and it may not seem like a big thing, it may be a very small thing. Do not despise the day of small beginnings, the Bible says. Your family, your career, your day-to-day life, although we imagine God focused on the big things, he is equally focused on the little things in your life. You are the move that God wants to make. He cares remarkably about our life. Last slide. In that, beside that stone, 1620, what's the date in your life that the stone has on it when God is going to move? 2020? Give that man a... 2020. 2020. If we want God to move in our lives, you're maybe not sure. Okay, let's work on that. Take time, ask questions, seek God, build up. This statue is a guy called William Bradford. He was a Mayflower passenger. He was a Yorkshireman. Dave Lyle's not here, but many Yorkshiremen in the crowd today. Yes, Yorkshireman. And it says of him on the statue, the inscription says, really old language, so get used to this. This is what it says. So they left a goodly and pleasant city, which had been their uh, uh, place, here for 12 years, which had been their sitting place for 12 years. But they knew they were pilgrims and looked not much on those things, but lift up their eyes to ye heavens, their dearest countries, and quieted their spirits. The, the Mayflower, the pilgrims got as far as the coast of Cape Cod in Plymouth, and they renamed it Plymouth because that's the great, really creative. Let's have another Plymouth. I thought you were wanting a new land. But they had to move again. They lifted up their eyes. They were not settled. So don't settle in Plymouth. Don't settle where you're at in your circumstances, in your life right now. God has more for you. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, God has more for you. Always, all the time, God is wanting to go deeper. He wants more love for you. He wants more faith for you. He wants more faith for you. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Look up. Look up. And the band can look up, actually, if you don't mind coming up, um, just to finish in worship and praise. Look up. My ask of you this year, look up. I read somewhere that looking regret looks back. And I look back sometimes, and we look back, and things we regret, things we wish hadn't happened. Regret looks back. Fear, fear looks around. What's going on? What's coming to get me? Fear looks around, Dale. Fear looks around. Anxiety, and maybe those are the glasses we've got on. Maybe you're just consumed by anxiety, and it, it's a curse. And we, God wants to break through that anxiety. Anxiety looks inward. Shame. You may have shame in your life. Shame looks down. Shame is because something happened to you. Regret. 
might be because you felt you made a mistake. But shame and regret and anxiety are all areas where God wants to move in our lives, to grow faith, to grow love. That's where God is moving. That's what God is doing. That's what God cares about. That's the Father heart. That's his love for you that knows no bounds, knows no ends, reaches to the heavens. Faith looks up. So in 2020, if you do nothing else, look up. Look up. Start to put glasses on that help you look up to what God is doing, what he wants to do. Look up in faith. Look up in love. Look at those. Put those glasses on today. Put those glasses on today. Put those glasses on today. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, it's all because of you. I've got one last anecdote that God showed me a picture this morning. Second year high school it was. I was learning to canoe. I'd been practicing. We had all the stuff. We had the, the kayak sitting there. Put these overalls around the hole, tarpaulins, so that if you capsize, you're supposed to be able to get yourself back up without sinking. Ho-ho! Jump in the boat. Capsize! I'm under the water, and I'm looking for the, my tarpaulin, the little hoop that I pull. I'm under the water, I'm upside down, it's dark, I'm looking for this hook. I can't find it, and it's, find it and it's broken. The hoop's broken, I can't get the blooming tarpaulin off. I'm upside down, underwater, in the darkness, and I can't get out, because the hoop is broken. That is the condition of our lives when we are born. We have been separated from God, which you can read about in Genesis. We are born into darkness. We are born separated from God. We are born upside down. And he wants us to turn us the right way up. My little hoop had two strands to it, and I found them. One's called faith. The other's called love. I pulled on them, and I got out. I turned up right. The light came. Breath came. That is what Jesus does for you. He turns you the right way up, and he brings you from darkness into light.